So if you're watching your podcast feed and you're annoyed that there are three episodes of Ann and Emily Russell podcast that have come out today, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, I'm very sorry. And third of all, what do you want? We're busy. We don't do this for a living. We don't have the the talent and the amazing ability to break wrestling news for a living. We also don't have a Patreon to do that on. That's what Sean Ross Tapp exists for. It's Anna and Emily Wrestle Podcast. It's episode 34. We're back again. Sorry things didn't get edited and posted on time. I also had COVID a month ago. Still getting over it. But the person who doesn't have COVID or monkeypox or smallpox or scarlet fever is my co-host. She is the Vicar of Doom. She is the Reverend of Destruction. She is the greatest heel of all time and the only co-holder of the uh, co-holder of the only eight-star match in history that Dave Meltzer still refuses to recognize. Descending from the rafters, it's Emily the Raven. Ah, hello. Actually, I had scarlet fever as a child. So but you don't currently I, have it now. I do not have it now. But okay. Bad times were had. <laughs> I just picked diseases off the top of my head that are not supposed to exist anymore, or we wish wouldn't exist anymore. Yes. We're, we're back to recording on Friday night, but you know what? It's 8.19 here in Michigan, and the sun is still out. So we're, it's, it's like the previous recordings we've done where we've been recording when the sun is out, and it's just weird. So, yeah, there it is. Um, but... Because so much stuff has been happening, and because there's so many reasons to be hopeful about the world of professional wrestling, not just not just an individual company, because you know, as as you all know, we are AEW simps, and Tony Khan sends us monthly checks to say nice <laughs> things about us, about him, because he pays all the dirt sheet writers, and he's got he's a billionaire, so he can certainly afford to throw. I, I don't know what should he what should he be throwing us every month, Emily. He sends me a case of uh, bubble yum every oh, month. Oh, okay. You got bubble yum. I got bubblelicious. I feel ripped off. <laughs> Anywho, it's time to spread the joy. It's time to spread the love. And it's time to bring on our first guest on this show ever. He was originally supposed to be on very early on the show, but didn't feel comfortable with it. Hopefully, we've got him over his shyness. He has a master's degree in popular culture, which means he gets to write off his concert tickets as, as, as an expense for uh, legitimate academic research. He is also a very dear friend of mine, someone I work with quite, uh, quite closely in my real life. And he secretly taught Kazuchika Okada the Rainmaker? <gasps> wow. He's the innovator of the of the of the uh, of the uh, modern version of the accolade the camel clutch currently being used by uh Miro and don't don't ask him to do a, a 6:30 splash it's not going to end well for anyone it's Tristan hi hi Tristan how you doing i'm doing well and yourself and i am so fucking tired but you already know that cuz you saw me yesterday i did and i know your schedule Yep, it's pretty awful. So, so when people think I'm I'm exaggerating about how much I work, Tristan actually works with me at one of my jobs. He knows, he knows the truth. It's worse. <laughs> it's worse than I say. 
Tristan, uh, welcome to your first podcast episode, I think, possibly. Yes, ever. All right. Well, <gasps> wow. Well, welcome. You're gonna be, Thank you. You're going you're gonna to be internet famous. We have literally tens of fans. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Not even dozens, tens of fans. Um, so we are going to uh, just take a few moments and talk about talk with Tristan because uh, for those of you who have been li- with us since the beginning, on episode two, Emily and I just talked a little bit about our history in wrestling uh, as fans. We haven't gone into the eight star match yet. Uh, some sometime, like maybe episode one hundred, we'll we'll do a recap of that match. Um, anywho, uh, Tristan, what got you started watching professional wrestling? Okay. So I started watching professional wrestling at all. It was probably around 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was because it was the Attitude Era. I was in middle school. Everyone was watching it. Um, but I, I didn't stick with it because things got weird around the time the invasion happened. Because I only saw SmackDown. That was, I was getting maybe a quarter of the picture. Uh, fast forward many years, and I would say... I don't remember exactly when, but it was around the time... It was right after WrestleMania 33. It was mm-hmm. wherever The Undertaker, in quotes, retired after um, uh, fighting Roman Reigns. I heard that, and that was really interesting. So I'm like, I'll try this again. And again, it didn't take, because I didn't have everything. It wasn't until very recently, back in 2018, that I started watching it again. And this actually comes back to um, the master pro- Master's program I went to. Um, I, my cohort, there were several of us. Um, who were interested in wrestling, and because it's popular culture, some of the things we're talking about, like spectacle, uh, genre, all these things, wrestling kept coming up. And I'm like, oh, I'll give it a try. And then I really enjoyed it. And even something as bad as Hell in the Cell 2018, I enjoyed. Ouch. Yeah. Well, 20, hell, don't get me started in Hell in the Cell 2019. No, that doesn't exist. That 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 match does not exist. But me and oh, go ahead. We're not going to be talking about anything <laughs> that has to do with the burial of of one Bray Wyatt. That's not going to happen. Yeah, it was bad. Mm. But um, so that's kind of what got me into it. And I would regularly watch on Hulu, uh, you know, the 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 pared down version of Raw and SmackDown, and then of course, uh, the pay per view events. I guess. That would be happen on the WWE network, and friends and I would hang out. We, I ended up seeing uh, it was in Toledo. It was uh, when Kofi had that gauntlet match. Mm. I just started Kofi Mania. I was lucky to be there. That was my first ever wrestling show. And wow, that's that's a good first wrestling show. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, I because you know, but at the time I didn't. You know, you don't hear what the announcers are saying. You're literally just seeing what they're doing. And I still picked up the entire story. Which is a credit to all six men who were in that match, first off. Um, but also, it was just, it was awesome. I haven't been able to go to anything since. But, yeah, I was invested in that Kofi match. And in Kofi's run. Which, uh, don't get me started in the ending of that. Yeah, another thing that doesn't exist. But we'll, yes. we'll be talking about part of that a little bit later on. But so, that ultimately leads me, I got into AEW when that came on the ground floor Double or nothing. Uh, and I've been following it ever since. I, I don't always watch every episode I'm behind right now, but uh, I've really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and, and for the record, you were in favor of Hangman beating Kenny Omega. 
Oh God, yes. I, of course, had to bring that up because Emily is the world's biggest Kenny Omega fan. Okay, here's the way I look at it. (laughs) Kenny Omega had a freaking phenomenal run. But it wasn't stale yet. But it was definitely Hangman's time. Everything had been built to that point, even with the setback of him leaving because, you know, he became a father, taking that time off. The story was there. The story had been set up since day one they had been building this. Mm-hmm. And frankly, also looking at it the other way, Omega, Kenny Omega needed time off to heal. I mean, let's be honest. That was November 13th. It's almost August the next year, and we have not seen him once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, of course. But, you know. We still wanted Kenny to hold on to the belts. Imagine how much cheer he could have brought to every doctor's office, medical facility, and hospital that he visited during uh, his yes, time every... off. If, if, if he had had the belt with him. Yes, every <laughs> local medical facility that he could have gone to in this intervening almost a year. Yes. He could have brought that much cheer. Oh, but, oh yeah. You know, uh, we can devolve into conversation on that. I've been a big Hangman fan, and I'm also a huge Dark, uh, dark Order mark, so uh, yep. that whole story spoke to me. Yeah. So, um, what do you consider to be your favorite match ever? Not the best mm. match ever, but, the, but your favorite, favorite match, match to watch. Do you have to pick a favorite? One match that you think you could watch over and over and over again? Hmm. Think about that one, because I would usually, like, my first thought would be TLC2, because I only saw that um, once I started watching things on the network more recently, back in, like, 2018, like, 2019. But I'm also thinking about things like, first off, the, um, what was it? It was recently, it was the um, Blood and Guts in um, the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was really good. Ooh, the dog collar ma- both dog collar matches that AEW has done. I don't mm-hmm. know. If th- I don't think I could pick a one favorite. Um, Those are some good favorites. If you were to give one match your magical melts or seven star rating, knowing you can only give one match a seven star rating as the best professional wrestling match of all time, what are you giving it to? That's the hard question. Hangman and Omega versus the Young Bucks. Ooh, good choice. Because I felt like that was really a starting point for everything that happened since. It was a phenomenal match, and the storytelling in it was really good. Mm -hmm. And what one overpushed wrestler needs to become a jobber. You're going to hate my answer. My first thought was Roman Reigns. But no, the well, caveat is, I thought you enjoyed the Roman Reigns stuff up to this point, like ever since he turned heel. I think that, this, that the story they have told with him as a heel is the best story WWE has told in a very long time. That doesn't mean I don't want to see him get his ass beat. Because that's how good... 
they're doing him as a heel is that you, yeah. you really yeah. want to see him get his ass beat now. To actually see someone as a jobber. There is a time limit on this question. You have 10 seconds. Because there is a right answer to this question. <laughs> I really don't know the right answer. I, I right. like Roman Reigns was my first thought, but you're close. The correct answer was Baron Corbin. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. See, this is how much I can't stand Baron Corbin and don't think about him. Mm-hmm. Like he never even came to my mind because I don't think <laughs> he exists anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, like, he exists. Unfortunately, so, so it was um, money. No, yeah, money in the bank, 2019. Me, my wife, and a friend from grad school were all watching and hanging out. And I ended up going off painting freaking minis because I play Warhammer and just started just joking around saying, that's good shit, but in a Mickey Mouse voice because I just lost it during that match mm-hmm. and that whole pay-per-view. So, like, this is how much I can't stand Baron Corbin. He has been suffered from not just well, the worst booking, the worst writing, the worst gimmick I've ever seen. Yep. Mr. IRS was a better gimmick than Baron Corbin. Well, and Mr. IRS was 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 done by, you know, Bray Wyatt's dad. So mm-hmm. definitely someone who's good at the who's good at the job. So all right. Let us let us uh we we I feel that's given us a good introduction to Tristan as a wrestling fan and his decent uh taste level, which makes him appropriate because you are also a big fan of NXT's heyday. Right. I'd like to say I am. I never watched it much back then. But you did watch the the takeovers. I've seen you? a few. Oh, not really. I, I'm overselling your qualifications. Get you out! You are of here. overselling my qualifications. <laughs> by the time I, so by the time I started watching WWE back in like 2018 or 2019, I was still like, oh, main roster, yada, oh NXT. Did not knowing what I know now about it, not mm-hmm. realizing that it was the superior product. And by the time I'm like, oh, NXT is a lot better, I was also kind of invested in a lot of the stories I was seeing, such as Becky Lynch and Kofi Kingston. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to have to edit you back out of this. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Bye. I will, right. One other thing I will say is that I've been a really big fan of hardcore wrestling ever since 2000. All right. Well, let us hop into the reason for the season, why we're here. We are still basking in the glory of the post-Vince McMahon world, and it is, as we said last week, as has been confirmed in many outlets, it is not a work. It is definitely happening. It has happened. How do we know it's happened? It's not just being reported in dirt sheets. It's being reported in lots of mainstream media sources. Everyone is digging into this because... And this is some of the stuff that we need to use to contextualize what we were talking about. When Vince McMahon's sexual harassment allegations came out, WWE stock price went down. When he announced his retirement, the stock price went back up. And when what we're talking about tonight happened, it went up again. So much so that WWE employees have been instructed not to sell their stock as it might look in, like insider trading. Wow. Yeah. So what has happened that's changed from last week? Well, last week we were reporting to you what we knew at the time, 
on last Saturday was that Bruce Pritchard was going to be the head of creative. We knew at that point Triple H was going to be the head, the EVP of talent relations. What has changed is now Bruce Pritchard is not going to be the head of creative. Triple H is still the EVP of talent relations, but he is also the head of creative. That's right. The man responsible for the most consistent wrestling booking in the last two decades, the golden age of NXT from 2014 to 2019, is the head of all of WWE creative. He is the head of SmackDown. He is the head of Raw. He is the head of NXT. He is the head of everything. The wrestling world is rejoicing. Over 20 released former WWE wrestlers told Fightful over the past week that they would still be in the company if Triple H had always been in these jobs over the past few years. One AEW talent widely suspected to be Adam Cole says that while he was glad he went to AEW, had Triple H been in charge of him going to Raw or SmackDown, it would have been a tough decision and he might have stayed. The absolute joy of Triple H being the head of WWE Creative led to a significant ratings bump for Raw, even though they couldn't do much changing of Raw um, for this Monday because the match, they still had to hype up certain matches for SummerSlam, which is this Saturday, which is tomorrow, which is also part of our recording tonight because we need to talk about some things. <clears throat> what is your first gut reaction? I'm going to start with Emily and then go to Tristan of Triple H being the head of WWE Creative? Well, I think it's a smart move for uh, WWE, but I think it's very telling that I don't have a gut reaction to it because I, you know, I, <laughs> I just can't, I can't get excited about any of this at this point and I'm not hopeful so <laughs> I expect the two of you to be hopeful and be the <laughs> and, and have that uh take but I I think I'm just at at a place where I'm like okay this is a really smart move for them with a lot of uh potential so that's that's where I'm at Yep. So you you you're you're still believing there's a possibility that Vince is going to come back and that he's running things from the shadows. No, I don't believe that there's a possibility he's going to come back, but he remains the number one stockholder and has had shaped the uh culture and the institution that is WWE uh you know since since he you know, started uh, eating up the territories and, um, you know, changing everything about how wrestling uh, was happening in the U.S. And I know from my, uh, my work in many institutions, institutional change takes a long, long, long time. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I don't even have cautious optimism at this point, but... I do think that it is a, a very smart uh, move, and I hope that Triple H does get to have uh, 
that level of, of creative influence without uh, being bossed around behind the scenes by the number one stockholder. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yep, that's Chris, my, my Kristen, take. Kristen, what's your gut reaction to Triple H being the uh, head of creative? My first reaction was awesome. But as I've been thinking about more and more, everything my gut tells me is at best cautious optimism. I, I think cautiously optimistic is where I, uh, I'm sitting right now uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of the same reasons. You know, Triple H is still Vince's son-in-law. Stephanie McMahon is his daughter. And I don't I, – he's retired. I don't think he's coming back. But I do think that, one, yeah, he's still the number one stockholder. But also – he still talks to them on a regular basis. He still has some sort of influence, even if minute. So there is that fear. But there's also the fact that I've just been burned by WWE one too many times. And, and by that, I mean the one thing we don't talk about here. Yeah. But so. I think, I remember um, Paul Heyman said something like this. When he got the job of creative, it's going to take a year to turn things around. There's something to that effect. I think Triple H can do it because he has a track record of doing it and he does have a, a very talented roster. Yep. But he needs time. I think that's I'm, the only thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. And I think, that's, I think that's fair. And I don't think that we're going to see massive changes instantly. But it has been, for me, a personal shame that the biggest, richest wrestling company in the world has been just fucking up so badly on the regular. I mean, putting Keith Lee in a singlet because you don't think his body is attractive. Mm-hmm. Putting Karrion Cross, sorry, now Killer Cross, in a gimp suit without his wife being his harbinger to the ring. She wasn't a manager. She was the harbinger of the doom to come. If you've never watched this, the, the, the NXT intros for Carrying Cross with Scarlet lip syncing and just being fucking evil, you know, you missed it. Killing off Finn Balor's demon character by having a rope break. The first loss of the demon character, just just a complete waste. Uh, the burial of of uh, Bray Wyatt's fiend character, which was the coolest fucking thing. The building up, the allowing Alistair Black to build up the Dark Father storyline, and in the middle of that storyline, cutting him and letting him take that amazing idea and energy over to AEW. These are all. These are all things that would have never happened in a Triple H run WWE. It's not just the changes, it's the oversight. And we'll get to this in a little bit. Um, and I think that's what's that's gonna be what makes it better. But the things that really make it better, it might not even be Vince being gone, it's John Laurinaitis being gone. For as bad as Vince is, everything I've been reading and hearing from talent, dealing with Johnny Ace as the head of talent relations was worse. And that might actually be the biggest change, aside from the changes that we're going to be talking about here in a bit, here in a minute. Uh, talent have been reaching out constantly to the dirt sheets, saying how excited they are for the future. 
the the USA Network is actually really excited that Triple H is going to be doing the the head of creative. So, um, and when asked today about it at the SummerSlam Media Scrum, Triple H said, "I can't tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have to watch the show." I'm still not ready to watch three hours of Raw. No, no one is. No one is. That, that's too much. It's too long. They still need to shorten it. They're not going to. But yeah. I've realized something I wasn't thinking about it is we're talking about, you know, like possibly it was Adam Cole said it'd be a hard choice to leave uh, if Triple H was in charge. I think if Triple H was in charge, Mox wouldn't have left. Yeah. I think that's the thing. If Triple, if Triple H, H was in charge, uh, uh, um, Brody, Brody Lee wouldn't have left. I think if Triple H was in charge, even going back as something like an EW might not have happened. Like, I, I think that might be giving him more power than he actually has. But that need for something new wouldn't have existed because we wouldn't have had someone in creative who is still living in the 1980s. Well, and you're, you're, giving Vince too, you're giving Vince too much credit. Um, he was living in the 1970s. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> he was he he was living he was living in the time when Hulk Hogan could actually take a bump. Fair. Mm. I know. I know. None of us believe that 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 that, that exists, but I've seen footage of of old a, AWA matches, and like on a on a base level, in theory, Hulk Hogan could wrestle on a like base a, level. Yeah, theory. he was much better when he wrestled in Japan. Exactly. Yeah, I've seen that too, and it, it, he actually cared and hadn't become in love with the image of Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on. I'm going to read this from Fightful Select because this needs to be understood, and I don't want to make the mistake I did about building sympathy for Vince McMahon because this man deserves no sympathy, but we're just getting pictures of how bad it was at the end of the at the end of his time there, um, Fightful has heard from many within the creative process who said that many of the creative writers' assistants effectively needed to filter Vince themselves in many ways. Uh, specifically, we were told that the assistants often had to know what what to not write for Vince McMahon when taking notes for him. We've also heard that the minutes are heavily edited. Another former production employee said if a live feed of Vince McMahon on a headset any given night ever made it out, it would provide a picture that production, uh, of that production experience, especially for announcers. There were plenty of times he was in a good mood, but he would blow up at the most ridiculous things and act like they ruined an angle that was far past his expiration date anyways. When asking, uh, when asking those working in and near creative what they expected to change most with Triple H in control. And one specifically uh, said, recall, uh, uh, recall of what we, have, what we have and haven't done repeatedly. There were so many things that Vince insisted on doing that I'm pretty sure he didn't remember doing over and over again, even when people would tell him. So the complaint about WWE's repetitive booking is that Vince was becoming super senile. And again, I am not saying be sympathetic towards Vince McMahon because I've made that mistake once. Emily did not go down that crazy train with me. <laughs> I like trains, but not that train. <laughs> yeah. You know, I will make that mistake because I don't think it's a mistake. He's a human being who's starting to suffer from dementia and senility. 
I'll have sympathy for him for that alone. But Fair. do we Everything know else, that? But do I don't know, know, but I mean, like, that's a classic kind of get out of jail free card for them to say that, you know, I mean, obviously we're not his doctors and we don't know what he does have or doesn't have, but it would be a very convenient way to try to like claim that the culture overall within the company is fine and everything was fine. And it's just, uh, Oh, Vince was getting sick and that's why all of this happened. You know, to yep. me, it sounds like a convenient excuse. Oh, I'm not using that excuse explanation. Yes. Excuse. Absolutely not. Because there mm -hmm. are other people who should have said no. There should have been more checks and balances, so on and so forth, to have a better sense of what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Agreed. But at the same time, I've already given Vince McMahon enough sympathy for being an old man on this podcast. I'm not giving him any more. It's not happening. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it does look like this single removal does clear up a lot of issues. And it's worth noting that these are people in creative and assistants in creative who are saying this. This is not coming from WWE directly. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it's also, it's also worth noting the next news item in all of this. Turns out Stephanie McMahon hates Kevin Dunn. Like the rest of the human race, is much TV. we're surprised by this. I, I'm not surprised, actually. I <laughs> barely follow WWE at this point, and I knew Kevin Dunn was terrible. Yeah, Kevin Dunn is what is what has made NXT unwatchable because we went from that wonderful indie presentation of NXT and even the creation of the Capitol Wrestling Center uh, during the pandemic, which was really the best version of doing uh doing a doing a set without fans in it the thunderdome was overwrought for raw and smackdown like horribly overwrought but the capital wrestling center uh, nxt was still very watchable during that period um and right now the kind of a heavily edited multi-cut shaky cam bullshit that kevin dunn seems to masturbate to is the one thing from a production standpoint that, that even if the matches are good, it makes WWE unwatchable. Mm -hmm. I, I occasionally try to poke my head in at things like NXT 2.0. I just, I, how bad it, is it really? I couldn't make it through one match just because of the, 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 the editing stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really the worst. It's really just absolutely abominable. Um, I watch the, the, uh, uh, parts i watched the entire december um war games and i watched parts of the wrestlemania actually i did watch the entire uh, uh wrestlemania stand and deliver because they're no longer using the takeover moniker because that's part of triple h um i watched all of that and it was so disappointing to watch because emily i, I want to take you back to the glory that was takeover dallas Yes. Nakamura versus Zayn. Oscar versus Bailey. Balor versus Joe. I saw that one. Yes. Yeah. 
the glory of that of that wonderful takeover. Imagine similar match quality, but Kevin Dunn editing. And that's what the NXT premium live events have become. It's so awful. Mm-mm. Wow. So wait, you're saying the NXT premium live events still have that quality of wrestling? Because Yes. Mm-hmm. So the the one in December, the last War Games did. Okay. Um, because it still had a lot of people who were part of the old old guard NXT. The most recent one had a couple of matches that were really good. Um I like some of the choices they've made with their with who they're pushing in NXT uh 2.0, but you can't watch it. It's you know, as as Tempest of Wrestle Talk said, this is a dumb baby show for dumb babies. Babies uh, deserve better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. They really do. Um, so I think I think that the next step to make WWE better, not just changing creative, but is also changing production. And they need to get someone in there who isn't Kevin Dunn, who isn't who hasn't been trained by Kevin Dunn, and it's going to make things so much better. Um, and also, I'm I'm curious to see what the announcers are going to start to sound like without Vince in their fucking ears. I am interesting to hear that, because that's another joke my friends back in um, grad school and I would, would make. It's about Michael Cole, that he was just a puppet for Vince McMahon, and really they just sort of, whenever Vince... He, he had just basically a closet of uh, Michael Cole replacements uh, whenever he got pissed off at the current one. That was a joke we make, because it just... He was just an extension of McMahon. Yep. Yeah. And we said this last week, I'll say it again. Go watch the original NXT uh, UK uh, tournament that Michael Cole and Nigel McGuinness called, and you get to hear what Michael Cole sounds like without Vince McMahon in his ears. And you remember, oh, shit, Michael Cole is actually really good at his fucking job. It's like, that's the thing. It's Michael Cole back in, you know, the 2000s doing stuff with, like, The Rock. Like, he got into this business not as a fan, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. So he actually cares. But when he has no agency, he's... I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, honestly. Yeah. It's a horse that's that's worth beating because it's important to understand all the aspects of WWE that Vince McMahon has ruined. He's the one who gave Kevin Dunn a job for life. He's the one who decided that when he stopped being an announcer, he still wanted to be an announcer. He's the one who decided that he was going to be the head of creative of his own company. He's the one who's made all these choices. And that's why Emily and I are done giving him sympathy. I don't think Emily was ever giving him sympathy. No, and I mean, here that's the problem. And that's why... I am skeptical about this, like, oh, he's senile thing because mm-hmm. he's made the same kind of horrible choices for decades and repeated the same kinds of storylines and done. You know, you don't have to be uh, senile to do that. You just have you just have to be a uh, controlling toxic narcissist who wants things the way they want it and thinks that that's since you know that everyone else just has to deal with that Mm -hmm. and it's also why even with this change with triple h i still have a lot of concerns because you have 
you know, Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis were not alone in creating a toxic culture. And they're, you know, they can easily be used as uh, fall guys for all of this because they made some particularly really horrible choices. But you don't do those things in a vacuum. And it's hard for me to believe that there weren't other people at WWE, key people, who didn't who didn't know about what was going on with Vince and John Laurinaitis and how they were using the company as, you know, to be predators for these women, you know, get them jobs, pay them more money, and then how can they turn how can they turn them down? What you know, like how? How there it's very difficult for me to believe that other people, perhaps even Triple H, perhaps even Stephanie, perhaps other people in the company that, you know, normally I would say I have respect for, but did they know? I, I think it's a good question to ask. I'm not sure it's one that could be answered. And I'm, you know, there's probably nothing that can really be done or necessarily trace back to them and for the the sake of the company and the sake of making money which is what they really care about that's never going to come out because now they have a story of the bad guys stepped down the good guys stepped up that's classic wrestling storytelling you can't tell me that they're that they didn't intentionally do all of these steps in order to save the company, get interest, and make more money, and that they turned this absolutely horrible situation of what Vince and John Laurinaitis did, um, and then it coming out, and they they spun it into a story, and that's what we get. And so are we going to buy into that? Nope. Because it's kayfabe. Yeah, it probably is. But at the same time, I, I think you need to look at what did everyone say about working at NXT at Triple H? What did everybody say about working at, at uh, on the main roster under Vince? That's a good point. Because the thing is, ultimately, the culture will follow whoever's in charge. Um, or at least corporate cultures do. And yeah. while it will take time to get over that cultural inertia, for lack of better terms... It's going to happen because ultimately Triple H will surround himself with some best, uh, Stephanie McMahon, surround themselves by people who they believe are good at the job and will reflect what their values are. Yep. And let's, let's also remember, there's no good reason if you have ethical concerns with the way WWE does business, it has not changed yet. Mm-hmm. And if your if your ethical concerns are not just the recent revelations, but rather cutting people who are fulfilling their contracts, locking them into these no compete clauses that makes their lives very difficult, and not providing them with health care or travel expenses, and ca- and calling them independent contractors while making them behave like employees, you have all the reasons in the world to continue to not watch WWE because until. All of that changes. It's not like WWE has changed. It's not like all the criticisms that we have about WWE have suddenly have suddenly stopped. They haven't. 
it is still perfectly okay to be skeptical, wary, and still refusing to watch WWE for ethical and moral reasons. They have not brought back the goodwill. I, however, am going to take the plunge this weekend because SummerSlam is going to be completely different from the plan. It's the first, it's the first full show that Triple H will be able to book completely as it's happening. He cannot, he could not on Monday nor today on SmackDown, which is happening as we're recording this, make a ton of changes because they've already promoted the matches for SummerSlam. So the go-home angles have to pretty much stay as they are. They can try, try and tweak the scripts and make a couple of things better, which is what they apparently did on Raw, and there was a lot of positive reception to that. But it is entirely possible that, that SummerSlam is going to be this turning point for WWE, and I am going to watch it tomorrow and talk about it next week. I'm not sure, since it's a WWE pay-per-view, it's worth ordering Indian food over, but I'm pretty sure someone else will weigh in on that. Um, <laughs> before so, we move on, go ahead, Tristan. I was going to say something. I don't think SummerSlam, like SummerSlam will be the beginning of the turning point. We will not know until Survivor Series. Because at that point, Triple H will have had several months worth of booking and can start implementing his own stories. Because at this point, he's still running off of the stories, even though he's changing things, running off of the stories that have been built so far. This is not entirely his show, as much as we want to say it is. Yep. And all of this will take time. But some of the important changes are already happening. Paul Heyman was at the tryouts in Nashville today. This is unusual. Since uh, Paul Heyman was removed as the head of Raw in uh, 2019, shortly after being made the head of Raw in 2019-2020, and and we were told that he was going to be focused on his character more, he hasn't been involved with creative. Triple H in the media scrum today said it's really important to have Paul out here. He's one of the best talkers ever. And I think that his recognition of the talent around him is just so much sharper than Vince's. And the idea that athletes coming in wanting to be professional wrestlers who've never talked are going to be hearing more from the legendary experience of Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm is a really enticing thing to people who are like, hey, I want to be a professional wrestler. Where do I go? We talked uh, um, a couple months ago about how having William Regal was just a gigantic coup for AEW because is there anyone, is there anyone you want running developmental more than William Regal? Not that I can think of. I mean... (laughs) Maybe a handful of people, like, I think, yeah, but real, Regal has a track record. He's proven that he can do it very well. Mm-hmm. And the only person I can think of that I might want in that position, at least from a talking or story standpoint or character standpoint, is someone like a Paul Heyman. Yeah. And so this is not, this is not just having Paul out there in Nashville talking to uh, young, up-and-coming, wannabe professional wrestlers. It's signaling to everyone else, hey, one of the best ever to do it is, uh, is working for us, and he's not just going to be shilling for the, the, the tribal chief anymore. He's going to be getting his hands into other things, 
you might want to be a part of this. And, and I think that's really thing. smart. Go ahead. Because uh, Heyman has a gift for seeing really good talent that you mentioned. Because when you think about a Paul Heyman guy, who comes to mind? CM Punk. CM Punk. Brock Lesnar. Now Rowan Reigns. Um, Alistair Black. So, yeah, Alistair Black was a Paul Heyman guy. These are all people who are really good at their job. Heyman has a very good eye for talent. So having him work in recruiting is probably one of the smartest things they'll do. But she gets to see people just raw ability before it's been molded. Yep. Let's move on to talk about some more possibilities with this. Rocky Romero recently gave an interview with Fightful, and we love Rocky Romero. Yes. He believes, because he was actually the point of contact when WWE was reaching out to New Japan when they were trying to keep uh, Brian Danielson on the payroll. And one of the things uh, Danielson wanted to do was go to Japan. And so uh, uh, WWE had reached out, specifically Bruce Pritchard, I believe, had reached out to Rocky Romero, who was doing the, um, the, the uh, work for New Japan behind the scenes and uh, had talked with WWE about a possible working relationship, which ended up, of course, not being possible at the time. Rocky Romero, still in the same position with New Japan, believes that it is more likely that WWE will work with New Japan in the future, which gets us closer to so many potential dream matches and so many things that I have always wanted to see. Because as much as I want to see as much as I want to see um, what Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega teased in like every interview in 2021, I want to see the United Empire invade WWE. I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm not going to hold my breath breath either. either. But if you're asking me for one thing that I want right now, I want cocky asshole Will Ospreay hitting hidden blades on Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah. Will Ospreay, as he is right now, if he was allowed to just do his thing in WWE, he'd kill it. Oh, I don't want him to go to WWE. I want the United Empire to do an invasion angle. That's what I mean. Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure we're, we're clear. If, if they went there, or even if they just did an invasion angle, anything. If he showed up, he would kill it with that audience. I, I, love, I love the United Empire. They're my favorite heel faction right now. I am I am so on board with them. So, Emily, if we saw WWE being more open to working with other companies, is there a match that you haven't seen yet that you want to see? And I I do remind you some of your favorite wrestlers still work for WWE. Oh yeah, I know. Um Yeah, you know, I've mentioned some of them before. Um, You know, I would love to see uh, Asuka versus um, Thunder Rosa. I think Mm -hmm. they they would be so entertaining against each other. And, you know, that would be immediately just really excellent. And then if I think about, like, you know, I haven't watched WWE in so long. I don't, and I don't know, like, currently where people's stories are or what they're doing. But you know, there are there are some of the um, 
male roster that I would love to see in New Japan, you know, going back to New Japan or being there for the first time. And, you know, I, I, I guess if WWE started working with other companies, it, that would be a really excellent sign. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to imagine it. Cause we're still, we're still in this whole culture shock of Vince won't work with anyone. Oh yeah. Vince is gone. Maybe. Oh. So I'm thinking about this just now. Mm-hmm. Some of these are half joke answers, but I'm going to stick by them. One. I want to see Danhausen beat the shit out of Logan Paul. Fair. Yeah. Um, Asuka versus Hikaru Shida. That would be that would be a a good match. Yes. Um, who else? The man. Mel- AJ Styles against uh, who am I thinking of? Sorry, like AJ Styles comes to mind. Honestly, another AJ Styles Daniel Bryan match would be great. Um, I would love to see. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the names. That's okay. We 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 understand that it, it, it's putting you on the spot. There's a lot of really good things. Part of things I just don't know um, the WWE roster really well. But like Brock Lesnar versus any of the smaller guys in WWE. Because mm-hmm. he's always worked really well with small guys. You mean in AEW? That's what or I meant, WWE. yeah. Yeah, I would like to see after after that Brock Lesnar-Daniel uh, Bryan match, that was um, imagine, imagine the, the flopping around, fighting underneath that someone like Darby Allen could do. With yes, that's what I was thinking of. Darby Allen. Also, I, I think MJF ultimately would own The Miz, but The Miz versus MJF, not necessarily a manager program where they can talk. Mm-hmm. Well, he is just a less famous Miz. <laughs> Burn Punk. But speaking of things CM Punk has said, CM Punk is right on board with Emily as though he is channeling his Emily while he's at Comic-Con. <laughs> and uh, this, is, this is what CM Punk said about Vince retiring at Comic Con. "Quote: I don't think the culture there changes at all. It is what it is. I'll put it to you like this: Oh boy, people are going to be real fucking mad about this. But fuck it. Mercedes, Sasha Banks, and Trinity, Naomi, leave. They announce on SmackDown that, gosh darn, we are so disappointed in them. They really let our fans down." Rock splits come back. Obviously, I think I think he he worked the show. Um, where is Michael Cole saying Brock Brock Lesnar really let these fans down? And what CM Punk ended up doing was calling uh, all of these people um, fucking cowards and boot, and bootlickers. This shit is ridiculous. That they buried on the mic. On live TV, Sasha Banks and Naomi. But when Brock decided to take his ball and go home, granted, he did come back and he did it before the show, not during the show. So there is some difference here. Um, no one 
No one buried Brock on the microphone. No one buried Brock on commentary, even though they had to scramble because the entire last week's SmackDown was entirely built around Brock Lesnar, and they had, they only ended up putting him back in the last segment. I think Punk is right, and I think Emily's been right, that we should not expect immediate or possibly even at all culture changes. I think cautious optimism might be the best tact here. Your thoughts on... Uh, Punk being right because he's agreeing with you, Emily. <laughs> well, yeah, I I don't see. This is the thing. I like the phrase "cautious optimism." I will describe myself that way when it comes to some things, but not to this, because you have so much proof and evidence backing up what Punk is saying, and it's not just him. We've heard, you know, variations of this comment and the points that he's making, maybe not about the same people, obviously, or the same situation, but about WWE. And that is troubling that you could say something so similar about so many different situations and things that happen to so many different wrestlers at one company. And the culture change is the big thing that, you know, I have continuously brought up including (laughs) in some episodes using family systems theory Mm -hmm. (laughs) which can be applied to institutions of all kinds to explain why this is not as big of a deal as people think right now so i mean it is it is huge it's just it's not it vince leaving doesn't necessarily do away with how things are done yep tristan your thoughts on uh punk's comments about uh the cowards and bootlickers i'm sorry let me get it right the fucking cowards and bootlickers (laughs) um in wwe he's not wrong but i do think change will happen but it, one, it's going to take time. I, th- I think that's what we've all said. And I'm not thinking, even, like, for booking, it'll take a year. For deep, meaningful change to happen, five years. Like, yeah. when I'm saying long-term, that's what I'm meaning by long-term, to change the company. Because there are people who have just been, this is the way it's always been. And they provide a lot of uh, pushback against any changes. If there is a good sign here, it is that uh, plans have already been announced slash leaked that uh, Vincent, er, sorry, Stephanie McMahon, Nick Khan, and Triple H are all reaching out to Sasha and Naomi to mend the fence that Johnny Ace and Vince broke. Yeah, and I think what how CM Punk reacted to them not burying Brock. One of the things is they're never going to bury Brock. He he has been the um, He's the goose that's laid a golden egg a thousand times, or at least well, that. He, no, go well, ahead. But that, but it, that leads us to our next story. But continue, finish your thoughts. Yeah, Sorry. At least in the mind of those who have been in charge, and I don't know who was feeding lines to Michael Cole or anything like that, but he was he was told to bury Sasha and um, Naomi. Mm-hmm. He wasn't told to bury Brock Lesnar. So I'm going to give it him the benefit of the doubt in that he is not going to bury someone. Yep. Well, we don't know that because... As I said, benefit of the doubt. 
Yeah. I don't know enough about Michael Cole sans uh, Vince's hand up his butt. Yeah. Well, and we don't know that his hand might it might be a ghostly cold hand on his shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah no, no, go ahead. Large institutions take, like, bureaucratic institutions, and WWE, as much as it was run by one man, is still very much a very large bureaucratic institution. The wheels of change turn slowly. But it's going to happen because you have new people in the league. Mm-hmm. It'll be slow. And I think a lot of people are expecting more than might happen. It's not going to suddenly be AEW times two. It's not going to be, like, like, the original idea of AEW. But the booking will get better. And hopefully as the booking gets better, other things will change. I, I think that's the best, the best guess. Well, in the meantime, CM Punk's comments did cause a bit of a stir. And unemployed, officially confirmed worst member ever of Degeneration X, Road Dog, tried to say that Punk was virtue signaling. And as has always happened, whenever someone complains about virtue sig- signaling, you know everything else about to come out of their mouth is bullshit. Said that you can't compare Brock to Naomi and Sasha, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm sorry, you can't. It is comparable. It is different, but it is comparable. Uh, but then he went on to complain about not being hired by AEW. He says that he watches stuff on AEW that makes him mad at the garbage he's seen on TV <laughs> and then wonders why Tony Khan won't hire him. He says that in a single sentence. Not a, not, not even two separate sentences. I watch the stuff on AEW that's just garbage and makes me mad, so why won't Tony Khan come, come and hire me to fix it? And you, well, okay. Ignoring the fact that he is burying the product, he's like, please hire me. Do you have a track record of proving you can do better? That you can make something good? Where has he worked in the past? As far as I'm concerned, aware, mostly WWE. And has WWE made better product than AEW? Not often enough for him to have a track record. And, you know, his old tag team partner, Billy Gunn of the New Age Outlaws, is tr- I'm sorry, I, I said his name wrong. We know, Mr. We know Ass? His name. his name is Billy Gunn Ass. Billy Gunn Ass of, of you know, the, the Mr. Ass, the, the, da- the ass daddy of the ass boys. Um, now we've got it right. Now, now we're embracing the ass. Everyone embrace your ass. Um, has said, <laughs> has been trying to get Road Dog a job because Road Dog does actually have a pretty decent track record because uh, he's one of the people working in NXT for a lot of, of the time that NXT was good because Triple H did actually use his friends. Um, but he was cut from uh, um, NXT in the most recent, uh, one of the most recent rounds of cuts in January. So it's hard to even tell when the most recent round of cuts was. Um, but that is, I mean, it's just like, First of all, anytime you complain about someone virtue signaling, go fuck yourself. Like immediately, go fuck yourself. Just, just you, you should stop talking. You should be thinking about what you're saying and stop trying to assume people's motives and stop trying to assume that people who are doing the right thing or saying the right thing are doing it just to score points. Go fuck yourself. If you complain about virtual sig- virtue signaling, I'm done with you. But second. <laughs> Don't don't bury the company you're trying to get a job in. 
which is what Tristan said. That's Emily, just like common sense for not even wrestling. Any job you're trying to get, don't go. Hey, person who I'm asking to sell my time to, fuck you. Give me a job. <laughs> That's what it is. Yep. Emily, what are your thoughts about about Road Dog having a job in AEW and on, on, on a backstage producer role? <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, AEW does have too many people backstage right now because, oh boy, did this shit hit the fan. Ethan Page, who has one of the best YouTube channels that we will actually do a full review of. We're actually going to, once this fucking news dies down, we can go back to doing the fun features and the evergreen content we want to do. Ethan Page was talking about his match tonight on Rampage and says, oh, it's great. I get to be on TV. See you again in five weeks. Which resulted uh, uh, in in Sunny Kiss saying, "Yeah, I feel you," and Brian Cage independently tweeting about this. There's a lot of AEW talent that is very frustrated with their lack of TV time, and we we talked last week at length at AEW's failure to properly book the women's division, and it is understandable why some people are now looking to WWE as being a possibility of going to them might not have thought about a year or two ago because of the fact that AEW's roster is a little bit bloated and they're not necessarily managing their talent the best. Emily, what do you make of um, Paige, Kiss, and Cage, which would be a great name for some kind of tag team? Kiss, <laughs> Page, Kiss Page, Cage. Kiss, Page, Cage. I, I, I like this tag team even more than I think about it. All you have to do is remove Dan Lambert and object him into the, into the sun. Yeah, <laughs> please. Yeah, AEW can put Dan Lambert on TV to talk, but they can't put Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky on to wrestle. Unpopular opinion, I've actually really started to grow to enjoy Dan Lambert's work. Like once the, the bullshit with Brandy and Cody was done. Really it's not bad. Opinion. Yeah, but you know what? It's not that bad. He he knows what he's doing. It, it, it's it's heel fundamental. Insult people. Uh, try to say your guys the best, and then set up the fight. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree and say it is that bad because when you walk into Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, and you say, "Well, um, Michigan Athletic Commission has these rules for this match," uh, and unlike and since it's not an election, we're gonna follow the rules. Dan Lambert can go to fucking hell. He, I forgot he used, about that. He used his microphone to try to, to subtly try and promote big lie bullshit. That is not a way, that is not an appropriate way to generate heat. Okay. I thought it generated heat, but I also don't know what his politics are. Yeah, he's a fucking he's a fucking trumper. Okay, then fuck him. Just, yeah. just out oh, of Dan Lambert is? Yeah. yeah. Are you shocked? Well, I didn't know. I mean, I I'm, I'm not that. shocked. It's just that I have no interest in him. So I didn't, you know, I don't know anything about him. Like, yeah. I li literally anything except that I don't want to see him on TV. Yeah, yeah. I like I knew nothing about him. So when he said these things, I'm just assuming he's just playing to act. Nope, that's that's him. That's what he actually believes. All right. Yeah. yeah then fuck him. He, and you know the, the difference between and again we've talked about we've talked about you don't have to agree with our politics to be a good pro wrestler. Chris Jericho has terrible politics; is an amazing pro wrestler. 
Jake Hager has terrible politics and is a shitty pro wrestler and a charisma <laughs> vacuum and awful to watch in every way. And even being carried by Cesaro can't actually make him better. I'm sorry, Claudio Castagnoli, who's just lovely as the Ring of Honor world champion. I'm just, I'm so happy about all of this. Uh, yes. But yeah, just um, there's so much of the original talent that is really kind of annoyed about their lack of TV time. And that's one of the reasons why this week it seemed like a lot of Dynamite was refocusing on their homegrown talent, including the main event. Have you guys watched this week's Dynamite yet? No, no. I haven't. So no spoilers version, but the Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson match was fucking amazing. Mm. And the entire episode was really around refocusing on the AEW talent and what makes AEW special. Now, there's a lot of criticism that was that was levied by uh, MJF in his uh, pipe bomb moment, which, by the way, we're not going to talk much more about that because no one knows if that is a complete work or a complete shoot. Or we probably think it's a little bit of both. Um, and I think that they're doing the right thing, keeping him off TV, if it is mostly a work at this point. Mm-hmm. Because when he comes back, it'll be the biggest pop and he'll be the biggest baby face in the company. Yeah. Um, absolutely. If it is if it is a work. Um, but AEW's refocus on their homegrown talent uh, is an essential thing to, to compete with what's happening in WWE. Because if everyone's excited about the idea of Triple H running creative... AEW needs to prove that it can actually use its own stars as creatively as possible. And there is a real issue when you don't have room on your show for an Ethan Page, for a Sonny Kiss, for Brian Cage. All of whom I think are pretty damn phenomenal wrestlers. Yeah. Um, there There is a problem when you're introducing a whole new tag division of trios belts before you're introducing women's tag belts. And there is, again, the problem of properly booking your women's champion who should be equal with your top champion. And we, we complained at length about Thunder Rosa's booking. And she's Hasn't done the best great. with the booking. She's done the best with the booking they've given her, but they have not given her what she deserves as a top champion and legitimately one of the top five or ten best professional wrestlers in the world. Because um, when you are a top champion in the company... Of, of a big major company that should be your perception that you are one of the best professional wrestlers in the world and she is her matches are amazing just you know fucking book more of them and you can put her in tag team matches you can put her in trios matches to to also get more of the women on your roster over but um the focus on AEW dynamite this week was really good it was really positive and i don't i am not going to doomsay uh, AEW because a lot of a lot of people are worried about AEW if there's a WWE renaissance. I believe that if there's a WWE renaissance that makes WWE good again or even watchable again, it's a long way to go till we're good. <laughs> then we are going to be in a better place as professional wrestling fans because we're going to get better professional wrestling, and that's what matters. Yeah, but one thing I'm actually glad. Hopefully, with Triple H uh, coming on, 
they won't cut us. I'm, I'm hoping, and this is me being wildly optimistic, that they won't cut talent as often. Because one of the things that has hurt AEW is the rampant cuts they've been making. Because they don't scoop everyone up, but they scoop a lot of them up. Yep. And while I'm happy to see, you know, like uh, Athena, Alistair Black, Cesaro, or Claudio, I'm happy to see them all in AEW. Because I know they'll be in a place where they're a lot happier. And they're allowed to wrestle their style. Yep. But it does lead to that problem of it's too much stuff. Because Keith Lee came on, and what has he been up to? He won the tag championships. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, everyone else did, too. <laughs> yeah, well, partially I haven't seen that yet. Uh, yeah, but Swerve in Our Glory, in one of the upsets, uh, won the tag championships, and it should have been Team Taz. So even though it was a great move, it was the wrong team winning. But we'll talk more about that. We actually talked quite a bit about that last week. Let's talk about, you know, one of another one of the best wrestlers in the world who's not been wrestling since December because he's also been busy biding his time figuring out what to do. But Johnny Gargano appeared last night um, in uh, a pre-recorded promo on Impact hyping up Alex Shelley. Now, I am the world's biggest uh, Motor City Machine Guns simp. The Motor, Mach- Motor City Machine Guns are awesome, and I will hear nothing bad said about Alex Shelley or Chris Sabin. But Johnny Gargano, just as a favor to Alex Shelley, got in front of a camera and talked about how Alex Shelley is one of the most important talents of his generation. Because, uh, and you, if you have not watched the uh, promo between Alex Shelley and Jay White on Impact from um, earlier this year, uh, when Alex Shelley talked about how his fingerprints are on, are all over New Japan and are all over AEW, because they are, he is he, he is he has done so much for professional wrestling, um, just the world over. It's it's kind of amazing that this is Johnny Gargano's first real appearance in a while, and I'm kind of excited for what happens with Johnny Gargano. Um, he's currently not talking to Impact about, about signing there. He just did this as a favor to Alex Shelley. But where would you like to see Johnny Gargano go? The AEW market me says AEW, but at the same time, I don't want them to pick up another WWE guy. Mm-hmm. Like he'll, be do, he'll do great. He will do great things. The pop will be great. But what will he do? It's too crowded right now. I could also see him going back to WWE with Triple H back in in charge now. Yep, and I might have something about that in just a little bit. Honestly, Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. The only place I don't see him going is New Japan. No, I don't see him going to New Japan either. I might see him going to DDT Pro. Hmm. I think he'd had fun in DDT. I think he'd have fun in DDT. I think he'd have fun in, in uh, some of the UK promotions. I think he'd have fun, have fun in GCW, uh, which has been absolutely killing it. Mm-hmm. Emily, your thoughts on Johnny Gargano just kind of popping up on, on Impact for a friend? You know, I don't have any kind of strong feelings about it. <laughs> I just okay. don't. I just... You know, I think um, 
good for him. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Hey, he's putting Johnny. Him mentor. He's doing all the things he should do. Um, but I don't follow Impact Wrestling. I really haven't followed Johnny Pagano much because they've really watched NXT. Um, but yeah, what I've seen, he's really good, and I'm excited to see where he lands. Yep. I'm excited to see where he lands. And at this point, it's time for me to do the thing that I'm going to do. And that is to talk a little bit about the SummerSlam card. Because this weekend is SummerSlam. We've already mentioned this before. And the first thing I want to talk about is that the planned match between Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins has been canceled. According to Dave Meltzer, the uh, injury that they've announced for Matt Riddle is a kayfabe injury. It is not real. That um, Triple H has pulled this match from the card because the build isn't good enough, and they're going to do something else. So a lot of this stuff has already been pre-built. Some of this stuff is guaranteed to be good. Some of the stuff is, guar- is kind of guaranteed to, be, guaranteed to be what it is. The first match that we're going to see is Logan Paul versus The Miz. For those of you, both of you, who didn't watch um, WrestleMania, Logan Paul fucking worked his ass off in his tag team match um, uh, with The Miz against the Mysterios. He, they signed him for a reason. He took it fucking seriously, and it was really good. Um, his desire to be seen as a face, which is why the Miz turned on him at the end of that match, was is pretty stupid and lacking self awareness. But as someone who can actually who who took to professional wrestling like a fish takes to water, Logan Paul will actually put on a good match, and I know that's hard to to, to conceive. But this match actually could be very good. Um, Liv Morgan, who is the current SmackDown Women's Champion when she won it off of Ronda Rousey at Money in the Bank when she cashed in, uh, will be taking on Ronda Rousey. They're probably just going to get the belt back on Ronda, which is going to make Liv Morgan's push just kind of bad. Or maybe Liv Morgan wins somehow, hopefully, and Ronda Rousey goes away. Because, yeah. Um, Bobby Lashley defends the United States Championship against Austin Theory, who is now just called Theory because Vince didn't think you could have two Austins when Steve Austin was becoming more a part of programming. So maybe Austin Theory wins the match and gets his first name back. Um, Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. Don't ask. You don't want to know. You don't want to know why he's called Happy Corbin. He just I'll is. Don't and I'll die in the don't look. Um, <laughs> Too late. And Pat McAfee had a really good match with Austin Theory at WrestleMania. He was part of one of the best War Games matches with his Kings of, of NXT uh, stable that he was using to take on the Undisputed Era in the Undisputed Era's last War Games match in 2020, which, by the way, was great. Um, <coughs> that match is probably going to be a piss break match. Uh, the Mysterios versus the Judgment Day, Ray and Dominic Mysterio versus Damian Priest and Finn Balor with Rhea Ripley in their corner. Hopefully it's Judgment Day winning and Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley getting continually elevated. That would be nice. Uh, the Usos versus the Street Profits for the tag titles, which, again, these are two tag teams who are good enough to be in AEW. 
it would be nice if WWE had more than two tag teams. Just, just saying, would would be nice. Becky Lynch versus uh, Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship, which is running, which is running back their WrestleMania match, which was one of the best matches of the year. Becky Lynch um, put Bianca Belair over harder than Sasha Banks put her over the year before. Um, and it was a much bigger win for Bianca Belair. Uh, I, yeah, this is going to be a match worth watching. And Paul Heyman versus Brock Lesnar, which no one wants to see. I'm going to watch this tomorrow. I'm going to record Becoming Army with Soph before this happens so I can give it my undivided attention. Because what I want to see out of this is I want to see SummerSlam be good enough to give me some hope. The question that I have for the two of you, since I'm taking the bullet on this one and I'm going to watch it, you don't have to. Obviously, you're not going to anyways, Emily or Tristan. (laughs) What does SummerSlam need to be to give you, I wrote the most, but let's just say some hope that real change is coming. Go I don't ahead, think, Emily. I'm still thinking. I don't think anything in SummerSlam could do that for me. That is fair. And, you know, it's really a lot of the, well, all of the reasons that I've said throughout our podcast uh, and throughout this episode. So, yeah, that's, that's my answer. I, and, no you know. And, and again, I agree with all the reasons that you've said, I'm being an optimist. I know. I know. That's just weird. <laughs> <sighs> Tristan, what, what needs to happen at SummerSlam to give you some hope that WWE is moving in the right direction, that change is coming? I really don't know. Because it, it's... One show can't do that. It does not matter how well it's booked. Because they've booked things well in the past on the one-off basis. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania this year being an obvious example of that. But the thing is, it's, it's small things that are going to have to happen over the coming weeks to give me hope. First off, stop taking people's last names. Or first names. Yeah, j- just give people full... If they have a name, don't change that, because that name has value at that point. Um... Just have more common sense booking. If you see it in SummerSlam, you you might like. Th- there's no winning with Logan Paul versus uh, The Miz. Like whoever, like if he's being booked as a babyface, he should eventually go over. But you can't have him be booked as a babyface because he's not a babyface. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, keep keep the title on uh, Liv Morgan. I think that'll be the one thing. Yeah, if they that can... might give me a, a shot because I think Liv Morgan has always had it, even more so than Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. So let Liv Morgan be the champion. I don't know how long it's been, but let her be the champion. Let her do the thing. Apparently, and this has not been confirmed, but it has been said enough that we can, you know, you know how dirt sheets go. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been said that Ronda actually pitched having Liv take the title from her at Money in the Bank. 
because she wanted the title to go to the most passionate pro wrestler on the on the roster. Mm-hmm. So you know, whereas in in many other respects, Ronda Rousey is a terrible person and a horrible transphobe. Um, she at least loves pro wrestling and wants it to be better. And I think Ronda Rousey would actually take the full pin for Liv Morgan as opposed to that shoulder-up bullshit at WrestleMania 35 that she did on Becky Lynch. So. Yeah, I'm still like confused of what happened because you're saying it's shoulder-up bullshit. I've always heard it was the ref screwing up. But... It could yeah. be a lot of things. Um, I, don't, I don't know particularly what it was, but it also might have been just a quick call because Ronda Rousey broke her arm in that. That's, what I, that's the other thing I heard the most yeah. of. And if that's the case, you know what? I'll give the ref a bye because he was trying to protect the talent. Yep. And one of the things that I will actually say that I'm hopeful for goes to what we're talking about now. You know who's been hanging around The Miz on WWE programming? Hmm. And this will make you sick with Vince McMahon. Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, for fuck's sake. Do you know who's currently not signed anywhere and could show up at SummerSlam? Oh, no. Johnny Gargano. Do you know who could, who could just beat the shit out of both The Miz and Logan Paul to a huge babyface pop? DIY? Yes. That actually would give me... Um... Not a sense of hope, but the good feels. I think that that if Triple H is booking this, the amount of bullshit they've been having, having Champa hang around with the Miz, and back in twenty back in twenty nineteen, Champa and Miz actually had a really good match on SmackDown when uh, the talent were all stuck in Saudi Arabia because Vince mm-hmm. McMahon likes money. Um, they had a really good SmackDown match. That was very, very good. And it's like WWE has just completely forgotten that that happened. But Champa and Gargano reunited in DIY to beat the shit out of Miz and Logan Paul to the giantest babyface pop in SummerSlam in a long time is what I want to see. And it's one of the reasons why I'm watching this week. So I think that it is fair for anyone hearing all this wrestling news. And hearing us do now three shows, mostly talk about wrestling news, to say we're tired, and Emily, of you talking about wrestling news. When are you going to get back to the stuff that makes this podcast fun? <laughs> next week. Next week, we're getting back to this. Next week, no matter what happens, I'm containing the news to 15 minutes, and we're doing fucking evergreen content that Emily and I will be talking about over the course of the next week. We are bringing back segments. We are doing cool shit. We are not going to be a fucking We Read the News podcast, okay? But it has been one of those times where the wrestling world has been shaken up. So next week, we're not going to announce it now because we haven't talked about it. But after doing this episode, and very glad that uh, we could get Tristan on this show. As we, we, we are going to get back to what this podcast is about, which is two things. Two things only. Simping for AEW. <laughs> and doing evergreen content, so that's t- Tony. We, we promise we're 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 gonna make the the bubble gum you send us valuable. I put AEW over some. Can you give me like you know a Jolly Rancher, Tony? 
There you go. That's what we're looking for. Tony, put a put a gay farmer in this man's mouth. <laughs> All right. Um, that is going to do it for this episode of Anna and Emily Wrestle Podcast. We're back. If you want to know why we were gone for a while, one, I got COVID. Two, the world went to shit. If you're curious about that, on all of our show feeds, I just posted today the Q Girls Roundtable episode where myself, Emily, Sofa Shea, Wicked Kitten, and my wife, Dia, all talked about the various horrible things that are going on in the country and the world that made talking about pro wrestling, anime, video games, and Korean boy bands trite. We're still going to talk about those things because we still love them. As I, as I said to Dia earlier tonight, if we're not having fun, what's the point of living? So we're going to get back to doing the fun things because that's that's the mantra here on all of our shows. So if you have stuck with us and you stuck with the three episodes soon to be four that I posted to this feed alone today, thank you. But we're going to get back to having fun in the show. We're going to stop covering so much news. We're not going to have any more long-running news episodes for a while. And we hope that you come with us on this journey. As we are closing the show, you can follow the show on Twitter at AnnEmilyPod. You can follow the host. You can follow Emily at 8BitEmily. You can follow myself at Ann underscore Elise. And we are part of a network that does a whole bunch of other content that I've already kind of mentioned. So let me quickly run those down. Uh, you can follow our, our Heroes of the Storm slash video games slash women in gaming and esports podcast at Q for Fun. You can follow um, our anime podcast at Anime Sweater Pod. You can follow Sofrashea dragging me into uh, BTS uh, fandom at Becoming Army. And you can follow um, our still fledgling, still working on it, TV and movie podcast at which is called View for Fun at View FF Podcast. Um, we're going to be adding to all these shows. We have a lot of stuff planned. We have a lot of content planned. My life is calming down a little bit after Monday, so stuff is coming, and we are very happy to continue to making uh, uh, more podcasts and more content. We hope you listen to it. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, I would give you the social media uh, uh, Twitter uh, handle for Tristan, but he doesn't use Twitter. Smart. Yep. Life is better without it. Unfortunately, <laughs> when you become a content creator, Twitter is kind of the mandatory uh, uh, promoting publishing uh, application. You kind of have to use it. That's not my excuse. I was using Twitter before, but, you know, there it is. Um. Tristan, any last yes. words you'd like to give us? Anything else that you'd like to say about uh, uh, what we've talked about? Or just, you know, general philosophy on pro wrestling and enjoying life? Push the dark order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's it. Push good. the dark order. John, John Silver calling himself Sexy Steve Austin. On the I mean, he TV. is. Have you seen him? He's incredibly sexy. I'm not disagreeing. He is, however, a little too short for me, so I'm just saying. I'm not saying he's not sexy. I'm saying, I'm saying, John, I like my men to be taller. No, push the dark order. Yeah, push the dark order. We'll make, we'll make that a catchphrase. Push the dark order. Get five back. Get Stu Grayson back. Push yep. the dark order. But if I can be honest, ten can, can, ten can just die in a fire because of all the shit he said on uh, Ethan Page's Toy Hunt blog about 
um, uh, walking out of toy stores with his dignity and self-respect because he didn't buy anything. <laughs> yeah, Ten no. sucks. Ten sure. sucks. Sure. Buy toys. Toys are awesome. Um, Emily, last thoughts, last words. Um, wow. I don't know why this caught me off guard. Um, we do it every week. You're supposed to say push the dark order. <laughs> Join us. Join us. Okay, that's my last. <laughs> All right. And shall we send the people home happy, Emily? Yes. Then without further ado, we'd like to bid you all adieu and say goodbye and good night. Kenny! <laughs> I was just going to let you do the Kenny yell. I'm cutting my, my part out of this. So. I'm kidding. Kenny! Kenny! <laughs>